0: Hi, my name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Fela Michael And welcome to the Anne and Film Scoop, our podcast. We're into the middle of middle of May now.
1: Yes, and the we lockdown, have
0: a, and we have yes, the lockdown persists. Yes, continues. We're two months on, into it.
1: On the good news, we have a, a wonderful show for you today. A yeah. great show. And we
0: always say that. And but you know what? It's actually always true. And by the way, you say that it's that it's great. So on that we're, note, we're quoting you.
1: On that note, please keep leaving comments on apple podcast where you can leave your podcast there star review rate the rate the podcast the more reviews we get and the more ratings we get the, the, the further they push it up in the algorithm and therefore more people can see it we need to get those numbers up so please do do tell us what you think and do read really
0: it. And you can leave us a message as well on YouTube. A lot yes. of you, I know, are watching on YouTube. But uh, And also, by the way, please support this program. Please support our work at the unreportedstorysociety.com, unreportedstorysociety.com. And what you can do is you can leave a monthly gift that would be really, really helpful, yeah. particularly this year, that's a very difficult year. Um, or you could use, um, just do a once-off at com. But uh, we're going to have later on in the program, we're going to have James O'Keefe, the great James O'Keefe.
1: Founder of Project Veritas. And James is a wonderful journalist, a wonderful news hound, uh, a relentless pursuer of truth. But actually, he's a deep thinker as well. He yeah. thinks about what he does. He thinks about America. He thinks about journalism. He's actually one of the best uh, analysis Analysts Uh, analysts of journalism around. So you'll hear about his latest scoop, uh, CBS and the fake news, uh, COVID-19, but also we'll hear about a wider thought of where journalism is, where it should be and where he's going to take it.
0: But we wanted to kind of bring you one story just before we go to James, and that is, you know, we're here in Venice, California. You know, there has been this, you know, extraordinary lockdown. 40 million people in the state of California are locked down. People have stopped coming to the beaches. They've been told to stop coming to the beaches. The beaches are all cordoned off with, like, you know, ticker tape or what, like, crime scene. Playgrounds, crime scenes businesses acro- are closed.
1: Gates across a running path.
0: Like, you know, the, the bike path is closed. The walking path is closed. Really, really strong. Now, people are beginning to push back against that. But people have been actually very, very law-abiding. However, the laws that they brought in to try and stop the spread of COVID do not apply at all to the homeless. So it's kind of interesting. And we're not talking,
1: and by the way, some of your cities out there, some of the places you live, may have... The half dozen guys who are chronically homeless uh, and uh, drift in and out of homelessness. We are talking tens of thousands of people in Los Angeles.
0: That the mayor, Eric Garcetti, imposed all these draconian laws was that there had been one weekend in March after this all began where he said the people had been getting too too close together Produced too no, often no
1: data just no data but he had these
0: photographs by the way and as we said before we talked about the way the photographs were taken low to the ground which showed people and it looked like they were all from the side from the side but what do say?
1: Too close together. Too, too close
0: together too often. But my my point anyway. Even if that was even if that was even somehow true. By the way, first of all, they closed all the beaches. They stopped people. Even though, as we as we had observed on the beach prior to this happening, people were social distancing. The great thing about 25 miles of beach is that you can achieve that. And by the way, the other obvious point is when you do go to the beach, most people don't want to be on top of the people sitting beside them. They're always trying to do social distancing anyway. So people were doing that. But either way, our Big Daddy, Eric Garcetti, came in and said, we're going to stop this bad behavior. But as I said, the law does completely apply to law-abiding people who are paying huge property tax living by the beach or living near the beach or living in Los Angeles anyway. But it does not apply at all to the homeless. Just to give you an idea, like one website that brought together some of these things that have happened recently. you know, here's a little uh, picture of the kind of thing that happens here. A man swinging an axe in the middle of an alley who cannot be arrested because he isn't breaking any laws. A gang of youths dissembling, literally, stacks of We've, high-end bicycles. Sorry,
1: we don't need to read this in the low. We've seen this. Um, then there, there was those youths. He goes on this list. Women followed and harassed. Human and canine feces everywhere. But look, we, at the weekend there, we actually saw it ourselves at the end of our road. Yeah. A homeless person attacked another homeless person who was living in a disused u-haul van uh this is these are you know this is in venice There's, they brought this u-haul van they parked it another homeless person attacked fired a plate at a woman hit her on the side of the head uh hurt her and then he was arrested maybe 20 police officers we'll put up the photographs now that, I, that we took yes of this this goes on all the time yeah, um, it's kind of
0: crazy stuff all the time. It is
1: skid row has moved from LA downtown to to Venice.
0: And it's and what we've noticed is actually that the population has grown during the virus. Yes. It has grown during the during the pandemic. And you know, while while law abiding people are all being really careful and social distancing and wearing masks, the homeless are not and no one's asking them to. Um and you know, it it's, it's been just it's really horrible actually and so the law
1: the law is only for law abiders.
0: yeah fine you know only law abiding people get fined well I think it's re- I think that I actually think that you know silver lining to all this that there might be a revolution starting here in Venice of all places where liberals who you know have worked hard and managed to get to live here um, are are getting really really angry and scared because of the amount of lawlessness that's around so it's it's kind of a, it's a jungle out there you yeah. know yeah. Um, and the way that the, by the way that the, the way that the city has approached homelessness here in Venice has been extraordinary. One of the things, I just wanted to mention this, because I think people won't believe the numbers. They did a temporary bridge, they created a temporary bridge fa- bridge housing facility. Yes. Um, two blocks from the, the beach, yeah. from the Pacific Ocean, two blocks. The shelter is one of 26 either being built or under construction in LA County, in LA, in, in Los Angeles. And this is again, we're, we're quoting here from the California Globe. It holds 154 beds, supposedly to accommodate a homeless population in Venice Beach that exceeds a thousand. And by the way, right now it's in the thousands. The shelter cost, so 154 beds, the shelter cost 8 million and has an estimated annual budget of 8 million. But here's the bit I love mm-hmm. about it. The shelter, which opened in February, the, you know, very late in February, does not require its residents to submit to counselling for substance abuse, much less requires sobriety. It is a wet shelter, which means inebriated residents can enter the shelter with no restrictions. Even now, it has no curfew during the COVID, meaning residents can roam the streets any hour of the day or night and still return to the shelter. And it carries out no background checks on any of the residents. So, uh, as I said- And also,
1: I mean, according to this report, the, the once this bridge housing was up, that would then get, allow the police to evict the people in tents in front of businesses and houses and that was supposed to happen by March 7 that never happened so so and actually what has happened is it seems to have encouraged people to come around this hub of, of this Bridge housing, so actually more and more people. And are we've going seen there. it.
0: We've drew. We we cycled it's over Scott there, worse. and it's and it's Scott it's extraordinary. See so outside outside of the of the bridge housing, you have people in their tents. Yeah. But anyway, that's we're going to go. we 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 just wanted to bring that to you, and um, obviously you've seen some of those images. Talk as yeah. we've been speaking.
1: So you can see them on YouTube if you're listening to uh, on, on. But everyone's
0: report, even NBC News did a, did a did a piece on it. It's got so bad here in yeah. Venice.
1: Even NBC. Even News. NBC News did yes, a piece. Uh, of it as long as he didn't cut a quote off in half. Did you see about the weekend? What they did to the Attorney General. General, I mean, people should lose their jobs over that. They, they uh, for those who don't know, uh, they, but they, put it to Peggy Noonan, who was on a panel on Meet the Depressed, uh, to, to Meet the Press, um, to say, look at this flippant answer from Bill Barr, uh, the Attorney General, about the Flynn case, and he made a, as many people do when they're asked a question, make a slightly humorous first sentence to then emphasize, say, it, but it is a really serious matter. And he went on and gave a very eloquent answer yes, but about, Chuck about, Todd. About, about the role of justice in American society and the importance of justice. But Chuck Todd cut the second part of the quote uh, and only included the first flippant line. So... When NBC are covering this story, you know it's bad. So let's let's now go over to James O'Keefe. Uh, we we'll, he needs no introduction, but and we're going to. But actually, funny, uh, we interviewed him just before we came on air here, and I think I gave him one of the longest introductions of any exactly. guest, any guest we've ever had, yes. because he's done so much. And in, you're a huge in, fan. And his short life. Uh, so let's go over to that interview now. So we're joined now by James O'Keefe uh, of Project Veritas. I was trying to remember. I think we first heard of James to our very good friend, Andrew Breitbart. A long time ago, we were in the basement of Andrew Breitbart's Brentwood home. And uh, I remember Alex Marlow was there, employee number one. And uh, Andrew told us about his plan to start a website and he was wondering what to call it and whether it should be named after the founder, like all like Drudge and all that. And people said it should be, he was was coming, he wasn't sure if he was coming around. And he was also talking about working on a launch project with a big splash uh, that project turned out to be James's uh, undercover investigation of acorn um, uh, where James posed as a and Hannah posed as a pimp and prostitute to see how acorn advisors would help them submit fraudulent tax returns uh, and I for me the most shocking part of the recording was how they advised James the pimp, the world's most unlikely pimp yes. to uh, how to deal with his underage sex workers. That uh, rather than rather than these guys reporting James for child sexual abuse, they advised him to put the children down as dependents so he could get a tax rebate on his on his child sex abuse. So that Acorn investigation led to the group's collapse. You did uh, investigations, undercover investigations under plan, on Planned Parenthood, National Public Radio, top echelons there had to resign. I mean, you've had success after success. Your best James is the best-selling author. Uh, the book is called Breakthrough or Guerrilla War to expose fraud and save democracy. And in a sting that I have a very personal interest in, which we'll talk about later, he uh, revealed how Hollywood environmentalists would agree to take money from a Middle Eastern oil tycoon to fund anti-fracking movies. That that investigation prompted a Senate in, uh, investigation. So James had a lot of criticism from political enemies and. Uh, and their friends in the mainstream media. They've criticized his work as not real journalism, uh, like the real journalism they practice. And in fact, some of the conservative journalists have criticized James also. Um, Others in the conservative world would have described him as the future of journalism. I disagree with all these descriptions. I think James actually represents a return to proper journalism. Uh, Modern journalists might want to forget it, but until the 1980s, uh, undercover filming was very much a part of mainstream journalism. Mike Wallace, and, and it won Emmys and Pulitzers. Mike Wallace was a huge undercover journalist. And in fact, there's still some undercover journalism done in local journalism. But we'd like to welcome a real journalist to the show, uh, James O'Keefe. And that's a big, that's a huge compliment uh, to the Anna Films Group.
0: Welcome,
2: James. James. It's, it's great, great to be, great. be with you, Balaam. I, I respect you guys too. And you used to do this sort of muckety journalism, right? In, in the UK. Yes. And that was one thing. Drudge had that. Drudge had a UK, and Andrew Breitbart
1: had a UK journalism sensibility. I have a UK journalism sensibility because I practiced journalism in the UK for so long. And I think you have that as well. And that's why a lot of people, I think, don't understand what you do and don't right. appreciate it. So,
0: But let's talk about your latest victory, the fake uh, CBS footage of a testing center in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where to make it seem more busy than it really was, they had the clinic staff get in their cars and join a line of traffic, um, you know, and made it very, very dramatic looking. And they, in fact, in their report, CBS reported that the Ch- Cherry Hill had seen this 25% spike in their
2: numbers.
1: Tell us, about the, tell us about your report first and how it came about.
2: You know, CBS took down this broadcast, uh, which is a pretty extraordinary, the Washington Post reported it, and it's a pretty extraordinary Uh, Admission and concession when a national news broadcast, this is TV news, Mm -hmm. takes down and retracts their broadcast. So this is in Michigan, uh, uh, the town of Grand Rapids. There's a hospital named Cherry Health. The CEO of the hospital did an interview with the CBS morning show National. And in this testing line, they had put fake patients. They had taken medical personnel and put them in the line. So this. This guy contacts me, uh, uh, takes out a cell phone or whatever, iPhone, records um, records one of the personnel saying, you know, we, we it was fake. It wasn't real. They won't want to look busy. And then sends us a tip. We send him recor- covert recording devices like overnight. Mm-hmm. He records all of his colleagues saying more of this. We re- released the story this week. Uh, I called I I I called uh, the the president of CBS News on her cell phone. Excellent. Susan Zarinsky. People say how the hell did you talk to the president of CBS News? She picked up the phone. Yeah. And she she goes she goes Zirinsky here. I'm like, "Hi, I'm James O'Keefe." And and she had already she she we had reached out to her, you know, via email. And she had already worked up a statement. She gives <laughs> me a statement. The statement uh, she had talked to the hospital, the the CEO of the hospital and them had traded some messages apparently. So they were working with each other behind the scenes and then they both put out statements and the CBS news statement acknowledges that there were fake people in the line and says they're gonna retract the broadcast. The CEO of the hospital, she seems to be even more of a guilty party because she's been given us statements that contradict each other. First, it didn't happen at all. And then it did happen. It wasn't her fault, it was her staff. Mm-hmm. So there are some unanswered questions here, uh, but, but more, most importantly, and we can talk about more details, but we are supposed to trust CBS News and the New York Times. We are told by these organs of media that we cannot ever question their motives. We can never question their sincerity. The democracy dies in darkness. The truth is more important than ever. An apple is an apple, a banana is a banana, and all this crap that they put out. We're supposed to trust them and never question them, but not for what you guys do. And what Project Veritas does, and other organizations, do. we would never know yeah. that this broadcast was fake. We would never know that it's false. You don't have Brian Stelter at CNN. You don't have you don't have these in, in, uh, journalists uh, uh, questioning their brothers and sisters yeah. in the cartel. So yeah. thank God for this insider at the hospital who did what he did. And I can't tell you how many other insiders are now reaching out to us yeah. from mm-hmm. across
1: the country. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean. There's no doubt there was a victory just listen to what the washington post wrote after after cbs took the 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 cherry health uh, portion down large national broadcasters stand by their on-air work if at all possible so the fact that cbs news is removing the cherry health portion of the diaz story amounts to a significant concession that something went awry in grand rapids (laughs) the video recorded by a clinic insider includes a comment from a health worker complaining about having to quote do fake patients? I mean, I can't think of you know. There, there's pretty. M- it's, it's a very, very serious thing to have done is to create these fake patients and inconvenience real patients for the sake of a news story. That's a fake news story. But also,
0: the f- but also a fake news story in a, in in a time when the story is about health and about people dying of a very contagious. Disease, you know, it, the stakes are very high, and to be messing with any truth that goes to, goes to the the seriousness of you know of the of the pandemic is it's it's worse than a lot of things you could possibly do.
2: Well, it's probably just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it's probably just the tip of the iceberg. How many other how many of these things happen and there wasn't a brave insider who rec- And by the way, the insider recorded people saying that CBS was in on it. So whether that was the um, the mm. low-level producers or the grounds people or the executive producer was it Adriana Diaz this is the correspondent in Chicago they sent to Michigan from CBS National was it uh, Gail King I, d- I doubt it was Gail King I think it was probably more someone on the ground not Oprah's but, friend Oprah's I friend mean, it's just it's just disgusting and um I, I I know because I've been doing this for 11 years that there's probably 100 other incidents like this that the world will never know about. Mm-hmm. And and the tragedy is, you know, I, I consider myself an investigative reporter, not a beat reporter. I don't I don't just tell people and fail I think you're the same way. We don't we don't just report what people tell us on the record. We question yeah. what people tell us on the record. and the And the problem with journalism these days is that You know, you're given information from someone like the New York Times is is being fed
0: Mm -hmm.
2: uh, information from from an anonymous source. We don't know whether the information they're getting is accurate and we don't know whether it's being quoted correctly. And also the person in the government feeding us that information knows that they're giving it to the New York Times to be published. So we want to publish what we want to publish things that people don't want published, not Mm -hmm. published things that people do want published.
1: Now you blacked out your source, but then you had footage to back up what he was saying. But this thing of people quoting White House sources or Republican sources, I mean, that works fine for people who think Republicans are all the same or the White House is this evil conglomerate. Republican sources could mean people who have hated Trump from day one and who've hated him and still hate him. Republican source could be someone who loved Trump and got fired by him, or Republican source could be someone who loves Trump and still loves Trump. They're destroying their own trade by using these
2: anonymous sources and by creating this bad journalism. I know, and and, and it's a tough time because if you if you question the media, you're considered to be anti-First Amendment. If you question the powers that be, but if we can't, who's going to hold them accountable? What they don't have a self-policing mechanism. They're sort of like attorneys. Yes. Who's going to hold attorneys accountable? The attorneys are supposed to hold attorneys accountable, but journalists don't hold themselves accountable. No. They, they they circle the wagons and protect each other. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I and I do believe, and I'm operating off the premise that the media probably has more power, even the little media that we still have, because newspapers have all been gutted. But the remaining media has more power than, than the government itself. You know, our country was, we, 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 we make policy decisions based upon being informed. And, um, so it's a really, I, I really think people say, why do you target the media? I'm not targeting the media. I, 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 an insider, uh, came to me and was, this guy is willing to put his career on the line, his reputation on the line, everything. So yeah. this is a, this is the job of an investigative reporter. And of as course. you pointed out, this fell out of fashion after Mike Wallace and uh, the Food Lion case in 1992.
1: You've become a victim of lawfare now. Um, yes. They can't silence you. Tell our, our listeners and
2: viewers how they're trying to silence you now. Well, I mean, this is a quite a sordid tale. But the bottom line is that um, we've been sued so much and Project Veritas has never lost a lawsuit. Let me repeat that. Project Veritas has never lost a lawsuit. Now, I personally was sued eleven years ago by Acorn, and I sued invasion of privacy. That means that I record. You're in California, right? So, yeah. in California is a two-party consent state to record, unless you're in a public place. Yeah. What what constitutes public is open to interpretation. Absolutely. So, I, I I was innocent. I recorded the guy at Acorn. This is eleven years ago. In, a, in an office, the doors were open. There was no expectation of privacy. But because I didn't have any money, uh, I I just settled it. I, I I settled it. These lawsuits guys can cost upwards of a million dollars. That's just what it cost in the American yeah. system of justice. And you you know that you know that. So the discovery. The, go ahead. Yeah. No. Unfortunately. I mean, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. we know it. But now think. they're continuing with this, uh,
1: uh, and you know, if you if they can't beat you in the facts. They're going to try and force Well, you to well it's very
2: it's very interesting and I, I there there we are. We produced documentaries about the deposition tapes because you if you're not familiar with the legal lawsuit process, there is first you file a lawsuit and then it goes through depositions. That means all of my people are under oath asking answering questions about our methods, our sources, our donors. We have a First Amendment right not to disclose our, our donors and sources, but. We go through all this, some, some some of it goes to trial, right? And we've gone through a couple of these trials and, and we win. And they sometimes they're dismissed on summary judgment. And what you find out in these depositions and trials and the witness stand is that none of the people that are suing you, it never had anything to do with justice It never had anything to do with the facts or the law. Sometimes the facts are on your side. Sometimes the law is on your side. In all of these cases, the facts and the law were on our side. We don't break the law. We don't we don't do anything that crosses a line. But what it was always about was it was about trying to shut us up. It was about trying to stop us. Like in the recent case with the teachers' union in Michigan, I was sued and I was in a deposition and, and they said we want to stop Project Veritas from operating. And I said, Well, that's interesting because I don't want to stop people from talking. If anything, I want them to talk more. I want them to reveal themselves. I want to I want, I like when people talk, they don't want us to talk and they don't want us to be able to do our, our work and recording someone, which is what project Veritas does is so intimately connected to the ability to write and to talk. We believe that recording someone, as long as one party is present to the, that means that you're next to me is is just as sacred as the ability to take your pencil and write down what they said. No. Just as sacred as Upton Sinclair in the jungle brought his pencil in and, and wrote down what those meat packers were doing. We believe that we have a right to record uh, the event in question. And, and the, the recording device is an extension of the reporter notebook. So we've litigated this in, in court. We've gone no. to federal court and state court, and we've won every single lawsuit. And they have not stopped us, but it has come at a cost of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's
1: getting worse. Uh, I, I covered the Planned Parenthood case, David Delighton Planned Parenthood case up in San Francisco, and he was recording in busy restaurants. He was recording in hotel lobbies and ho- at receptions and at parties.
2: What about intact uh, specimens? Just
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, if you had intact cases, which we've we've done a lot. So we've sometimes shipped those back to our lab in its entirety. <laughs>
1: And the jury found now the judge made it almost impossible for the jury to uh, acquit him of the of the civil case. Uh, and they found that he had breached the privacy rights of these people. Now, hopefully, that's going to be looked at on appeal and
2: uh, thrown out. But, you know, it, it it's getting tighter and tighter. Uh, to do your work. You have to be willing to, you know, an investigative reporter, which David certainly is one, uh, I agree with you. Those, there was no expectation of privacy in those restaurants when he spoke to the woman who said Lamborghini, I want to buy a Lamborghini by selling the you know body parts. There are people overhearing. We've litigated this uh, in a couple cases. If you're in a Starbucks or you're in a restaurant and you're speaking loudly and the person over there can hear you, it's legal in the state of California, statute 632. But the issue is the investigative reporter in his heart has to be willing to do things that um, I don't know if people are willing to do you, for example. You have to protect your source. You have to be willing to go to jail under in a contempt of court citation if they try to give up your source. So really, what it comes down to, which I know David and David is a, a lion and and will never quit and never give up. Never. You have to be able to appeal it all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And if the Supreme Court rules against you, uh, for example, revealing your source, you have to conclude that the Supreme Court was in error. You have to you have to basically uh, do whatever it takes and. And in in my in my case, what I found is that just by not giving up, by litigating all the way to a trial, there was one trial in North Carolina where the plaintiff was stumbling and stuttering by the time we got to the jury verdict because the judge was like, so you're saying that O'Keefe doesn't have a right to quote people. And she just couldn't come up with an answer. It was so evident that they had not they had not thought this out. They had not thought out what happens when you litigate something all the way to the end. So the solution is you just can't stop. You can't quit and you can't compromise. Now, here's the rub. CNN can compromise. CNN can settle a Covington kids lawsuit for, I don't know, whatever, how many millions of dollars they settled that defamation lawsuit. And they're not considered to be liars. Mm -hmm. But mark my words, if I ever settle any of these lawsuits, they're going to use it against me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So I've noticed a change in your
1: uh, strategy now. In the early days, it was a lot more undercover work. Now you're using more insider, uh, insider recordings, and, and that is that. Was that deliberate, or is that just the way the world is? As you got, as you become more known for this kind of thing, or tell me about that.
2: Uh, yeah, the insider program is more leveraged. In, in other words, if you're an undercover reporter uh, and you're trying to get access to a person of interest. You got to build your cover. You got to build your backstory. You got to build your legend. You've got to, you got to build the trust of the of the person that you're trying to extract information out of. Whereas an insider already has that access built up. Mm-hmm. So, so what you what you try to become is as a reputation for people to come to. But there is there is definitely a, a a lot of responsibility in upholding that reputation. For example, the ABC News insider mm-hmm. uh, came to us with the Amy Robach hot Mike Jeffrey Epstein tape. And that person is actually still working inside ABC News. So that person came to us because that person trusted. uh, In fact, that person said, there's nowhere else for me to go. I can't go to The New York Times. I can't go to CBS News. I mean, I can't go. Of course, I can't go to CBS. CBS News fired the person they thought leaked the tape to me. To answer your question, it's really about a faster way of getting the information, but we do give recording devices to these people. Mm-hmm. We're protected by a, a Supreme Court case called United States versus Bartnicki. This is in 2001 where uh, an insider recorded something and gave it to a journalist. So we're, we're, these people are not our employees. They're mm-hmm. not on my payroll, yeah. but they do request uh, camera equipment. I send it to them and they do the recording. I'm finding it hard to say the words but the, the idea that ABC
1: there was a leak of, of an ABC person admitting that they covered up the news and the response of CBS was not to report on that not even to take a certain amount of glee on, I mean they're covered up a major news part of a major news story with a major individual uh, you know Prince Andrew all that all that uh Very newsworthy. Very newsworthy. Instead of running with the story, they they at ABC's request they fired the person they thought was the whistleblower for that major story. What kind of example, what you know, imagine if you had a story and you wanted you thought, oh, I'll go to CBS or ABC. How can you trust that they will treat you with respect and that they will treat your confidentiality? when they will fire uh,
2: at, the, at, at, the, at the behest of a rival corporation. It, it should be self-evident how absurd it is. I mean, and by the way, that Amy Robach, I'm sure that the audience listening has seen this, this recording or knows about it. I don't think I have to describe it. But yeah. th- that, that was not even mentioned. Not yeah. even mentioned by the New York times. In other words, if you only read the New York times, if you're like living in the Greenwich village and you, all you do every day is reading, you would not know about this. Yeah. So, so their hatred of me personally exceeds their, I guess their, uh, their willingness to report the news. And, and this is your reminder that yeah. um, our media institutions, it's, it's about a system supported propaganda function that manufactures the public's consent. And, and the only people that are going to challenge them are, are outsiders, are people not part of the system. Well, just in case people uh, who watch this podcast only read the New York
1: Times, we'll play the ABC tape now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let, let's play that tape now so everyone can hear what was said and what prompted a rival news organization to fire someone they thought leaked this even though she didn't. Let's hear that.
0: I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air um first of all i was told who's jeffrey epstein no one knows who that is this is a stupid story
1: well that sounds like a news story to me that you
2: should be investigating (laughs) not firing so so how are you surviving the pandemic then james we're we're busy uh it's it's tough we got a few people at headquarters here i would say we're you know 20 percent of our people are in the building uh we are an essential business in new york state at least according to the state of new york um but um we're we're taking we spent uh we spent a month doing the non-urgent but very important housekeeping that we needed to do. We had a lot of things. We had to build a website. We had to yeah. – and then the sources come to us. Um, they they come to us during the COVID crisis, and we're recruiting. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're hiring new UCJ uh, – undercover journalists. We call them UCJs. And we are training them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that's what we're doing right now.
0: Okay. And how are you doing? Are you So uh, we ask all of our guests – what's their go-to recipe are you cooking for yourself these days or what are you doing
2: for food i mean i feel bad with the restauranteurs and the 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 people that are out of business so i try to um i try to buy out just to give them business uh, in the t- uh, we're in Mamaroneck, new york which is a t- suburb of new york uh and you know if i'm cooking i make i i, I uh i make myself breakfast every morning but otherwise i try to eat out so i can give people business
0: what's the james o'keefe breakfast then what does that consist of
2: three 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 eggs every morning three eggs um two packets of oatmeal and half an avocado oh wow okay so avocado toast no no avocado toast just a Slice the avocado halfway through and pour a little salt on it. That's all I do.
0: Okay, very good. And you have the second half tomorrow then, the second day, even though it's browning.
2: It's a little browning on the top, but that's okay. We still eat it.
0: Okay, what's your go-to cocktail, James? If you were to make a cocktail, what are you famous for making?
2: Not a big drinker, but um, old-fashioned because bourbon is a little... I'm a little sensitive stomach. Bourbon's uh, soft on the stomach.
0: Oh, very good. Okay. And then we always ask people, what's a piece of art, like a movie, a poem, a a novel, a painting, a a sculpture, any piece of art that is important to you?
2: I would say, well, there's a a number of them in our office even and and in my uh, office and in my apartment. But if I, if one thing, one poem comes to mind, it would be If by Rudyard Kipling. Um, If you, uh, if you can keep triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, which is just which is another word of way of saying this, too, shall pass, which I think is very relevant for this crisis. Uh, you know, you, you 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 have some highs and lows in life. And if you can not let the highs get to your head and if you cannot quit when you're when you're when you're down and out.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. that's great advice, actually, James, because I think a lot of people are finding this a challenging time, yeah. you know, and the uncertainty of the future um, is obviously bothering a lot of people. So we appreciate that advice. Nobody yeah. knows
2: anything. This is the yeah. craziest. Uh, but I do know that the world, the life will be different. It'll be a new paradigm. It'll be, life will go on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Life yeah. will go on. Life will go on. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll continue to do the work that is important, telling these stories and getting these these incredible stories out to the public, which are we are so grateful for, James. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time today, and I know you guys are really busy. So um, thank you so Thanks, much, I, mean, I
2: Thank you for your time and for waiting for us for our technical difficulties. We appreciate. It.
0: Well, that was great. Yes. James is amazing. Um, we're so and by the way, we were really grateful that he would come on because obviously they're super busy. They have this great story at the moment, yes. um, but and they're always they always have a great story. They always are great. Yeah.
1: and they have lots of you know. It's just watch that space and. I'm just looking forward to see where James goes Next. in the future, you know. Cause yeah.
0: Well, he's got plenty of material out there because it's yeah. not like it's not like that. The press have changed their yeah. tune, or, or you know, it's got or, worse. Yeah, exactly. So. Oh
1: yeah, I always say if it wasn't for the media, we'd be out of work. No, the media did its job, and Hollywood did its work. We'd we'd be out of work. You know, and James, James, look, I'm sure James looks forward to the time when he's out of work and he's yeah. working permanently for well, these. Well. Yeah, uh, because everything would be better. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, what are you watching during the pandemic? We're watching, um, we watched, I watched, by the way, Unorthodox on my own, and I'm not, uh, it's very, very well done, and the main actor is extraordinary. She's just wonderful. However, and I don't know enough about, um, unorth- un, un, uh, sorry, about Orthodox. Jewish uh, people in New York enough to say, but it's it's a pretty negative uh, picture of them, that's for sure. Yes, and I think Phelan, was it you that pointed out that it's actually well, yeah, kind I of mean, interesting. I, I just
1: I'm suspicious of the timing. the 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 biggest supporters of Donald Trump among the Jewish community are the Orthodox Jewish community, and it's it's the timing is. Worryingly coincidental that they decided to make this high profile uh, And very negative, negative, negative picture, picture of, of, the, of the orthodox community I know nothing about the orthodox community there were no Orthodox uh, Jews in Berra.
0: There were no Jews in, in Ireland, basically. Uh, yes, there a few so, in, Ar- in Dublin. So but you're, yeah.
1: you're talking about people who, who, yeah. who know very little about Judaism or Orthodox Judaism. But so I'm
0: not sure. I'm not sure. It's a, it's a fair picture, but it's a very good drama. Yes. We're also watching, by the way, we're also watching Bosch. We're on season whatever the season Six. is. It's the, the latest season that's come out on Netflix. And it's it's really nice. I really like Bosch. I really like the character. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Phelan makes these noises, but actually Phelan watches it religiously basically and the other thing that's great about just Bosch, because I watched
1: just because i watched it last sunday doesn't mean i watched it religiously
0: and the other thing that's really good about it is that um it actually for people who haven't been to los angeles it's actually it's like a it's like a travelogue it shows great scenes of, of and it's so, beautifully shot which is
1: really really good let me translate that for you it's called drama tourism it's when your story the story is not good enough we'll throw in all the nice sights of la so I think the, that's there's true. always a chase scene in the east no. hotel no there's a no. The, don't agree there's a there's a murder by the hollywood sign stop. I, it's i just find it stop cliched and um, So
0: we also watched and that, I'm oh what?
1: I was on a, I was on a roll no, there. No, no,
0: we have to stop because I, I just want to do a quick snippet because I've okay. got a couple of more things do to do. Not, I do if, not.
1: If you're really desperate, watch Bosch and disagrees, obviously. I'm going to continue watching it. I, find I
0: actually will accuse you, Phelan, of being a little bit dishonest there because you're Ooh. very keen to watch it, by the way, for somebody who doesn't like it. That's, that's all i it's say. It's
1: called hit watching.
0: All right, that's not, I don't accept that. And then season two of Afterlife. So season one of Afterlife, which is the Ricky Gervais Created, written, directed, acted in all of that. But the second season is a to me is a very big failure. Um, it's like there was a good. There's a couple of good jokes that were in the first uh, season that they that they kill that they just flog to death. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and
1: beat to death and, and just, beat to death uh, and just stick it in your face and just repeat them and repeat them. The characters are repetitive. The characters don't develop. There's a there's one psychiatrist character. He's terrible. He, he's this unrecognisable from the first. Uh, season and he never changes all the way along.
0: The other thing that we've been watching very much the opposite of adult in any themes is called 90 Day Fiancé. Yeah, 90
1: Day Fiancé is the foreigner comes, they've been talking online, uh, uh, American with a foreigner, normally from a poor country, and then the fiancé comes on a fiancé visa to America and they have 90 days to make it work, to get married, to make it work or not. And, uh, you
2: know, chaos ensues. Apparently,
0: apparently drama ensues. And, of course, some of the couples are like, you know, a woman, we will say, from the United States who's, you know, in her 60s and her fiancé who's 21 and living in Nigeria. Yes. You know, um, the story writes itself, you know. And And then there are these stars of it. But basically right now, I mean, they're so smart, these people. So this is TLC. And they have all kinds of versions of it, by the way. They've got a version of it where... the the fiance comes here right but they also
1: have a part now now we've got a new one which is before the 90 day fiance, which is which is is, when is the build-up to them coming so very often what what that involves is the american travels to their home country and chaos Chaos ensues let's see if we can play a short trailer here from tlc which by the way used to be known as the learning channel
0: oh you you learn a lot here actually all
1: these channels start off with these high high ideals and then but anyway, there is, uh, there's a lot to be said about 90. So let's see if we can play that trailer or not. I
0: haven't
2: been in a relationship in 28 years. I want to feel that again.
1: I was in a really dark place,
0: but everything changed after I met my soulmate on Instagram.
2: L-O-V-E. I have never met Vara in person. So I've decided to go to Russia. I want to hear your voice and to see you.
0: You want to say hi? I'm in love with somebody from across the world,
2: and that somebody is a girl.
0: (laughs) I'm traveling 7,000 miles to meet the man of my dreams. He's a celebrity in Nigeria, and he wrote a song for me. Hello, baby girl, Lisa. You know, anytime I talk to you on phone, I always told you that I love you.
2: Holy Lana lives in Ukraine, and our communication has only been through chat. She writes, see you soon. So excited. And I'm writing back, yes. Mm. <laughs> Finally. If things go well with Varya, I'm going to propose to her. I haven't been exactly honest with Rose about my appearance. Do you like? I cannot deal with his female
0: fans. Get rid of these f- two bit whores. Get it straight. But I'm not your husband yet.
1: Don't care.
0: You want to throw it all away?
1: I'm like going you wa- to ball. You, you want to th- okay. don't want to talk to you because you don't understand me. I
2: do not believe in love. You lied to me. I'm done. This is bull- <laughs> I'm failing myself.
0: I should have been smarter than this. It's extraordinary, but basically, you know, however well it was doing prior to the pandemic, it's really become this huge thing. And the Wall Street Journal did like a massive feature on it this weekend. Um, and basically, T- uh, TLC—it's f- they've 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 created a new version of it. So they've all these different versions of it. There's all these spin-offs, yes. but they now have a self-quarantine version of it as well. Ninety Day Fiancé Of the so Ninety Day Fiancés, and they also have
1: Pillow Talk Ninety Day Fiancés, where previous Ninety Day Fiancés. Who, whose marriages have worked? Comment. S- sit on their edge of their beds or on their sofas, looking at the current ninety-day fiancés, and, and 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 commenting on their on the possibility of their their marriage. Succeeding. But just to
0: realise, right by the way, because I mean we're re- really recent uh, recent uh, adopters to this thing. But the ninety-day fiance, it debuted. in, tw- This is the Wall Street Journal. It debuted in 2014, and it follows the experiences of Americans who bring their foreign romantic interests to the u s. on ninety day visas. During the trial period, the couples must decide whether to wed. The network has built the brand into a sprawling, interconnected universe of seven spin-offs. Wow. So there's the pillow talk, there's the before, there's the after, there's and whatever quarantine. And this, by the way, and, and the people involved represent thirty nine nations from all wow. over the place. And TLC, so but as I said, during the during the pandemic, I think it's really taken off even more. So the TL, it represents the, a massive amount of the real estate that TLC occupies on um, on the TV. TLC said it is on pace to be the year's number one cable channel among adult women for the first time since nineteen ninety eight or whatever. In April, before the ninety days. Before the 90, oh, so before the 90 days, which is one part of it, yeah. was the number one show on cable with women over 18. Recently, the network had a streak of six consecutive Sunday nights with its highest ratings in more than a decade. So they're basically, it's, it's saving TLC. Um, and they said, you know, it basically accounts, so all these different shows that they've created that come out of that, it, 90 Day Fiancé, the whole thing, accounts for a third a third of tlc's original programming and includes this whatever but i just thought i would bring that to you and i have to say if you're looking for distraction from the economic disaster that we're all um very very stressed about and worried about contracting a disease that is fatal in a lot in, in, in vulnerable populations. If you are worried about that and you're looking for the antidote and you're looking for some escapism, I couldn't recommend 90 Day Fiancé more. It really is a delight. Um, but we're coming to the end of yeah. our show.
1: And so please, uh, if you like uh, this show and you like James, you like, you know, this all takes resources, it takes yes. time, it takes equipment and uh, we need your help. Uh, to continue our journalism and to tell the truth, so please go to the Unreported Story Society. Give what you can. You can give a one-off gift, or if you become re- a
0: sustaining member, which is what we're really hopeful. So. But I just looking at some of the comments. Clay Styles, thanks so much for writing um, on YouTube. Well done, he said to our to our scoop last week. Both interviews, he really liked them. Yes,
1: Heather. He talked with Heather McDonald. Another person t- said he- Heather McDonald's a national treasure. I think James O'Keefe is a national treasure. I mean, people are really liking what we do, so we need to get out to more people. Uh, and that's what uh, your funding will help with. Also, was to get it into the, further up the algorithm, and it also means we can have better equipment, have a, uh, guests in studio when the pandemic is lifted. So please, on Give Report, what you can on reporterstorysociety.com. And thank you. And don't forget to leave a comment.
0: And, and by the way, just I've got, I wanted to read one more comment from I'm a Christian, is what she calls herself, On or he calls himself. Please don't apologise for the length of your Scoop programmes. I love every minute. The discussion today on the al dente vegetables was entertaining. We had, a, as you know, we had the very funny conversation with, um, with Heather MacDonald about vegetables. And I have to say, we we'll love to agree to disagree on al dente vegetables.
1: I happen to think that uh, two of the most uh, monstrous words in the English language are al dente.
0: And can I make a conf- the cooking confession for today is that I not only now have an instant pot that has been used once and still looks at me accusatorially taking up an enormous amount of space in the kitchen that I do, I'm scared to use, but and I've added to that and I have a sourdough starter which is in the fridge and uh, which I'm intimidated by and have not yet tackled. I am looking for my husband's support in this uh, to tackle the sourdough starter. So... Um, wish me luck with that and look we'll see you next week and thanks so much for your support and for your kind and lovely messages we love them
1: take care Bye. bye